We know that when you're talking to women, the Noshim Tzitkonias, those are the righteous women, and the role that the Rebbe entrusted the Jewish woman. I'm not talking about what the Abishter entrusted the Jewish woman, of course. As we know, the most fundamental aspects of Yiddishkeit are entrusted to the Jewish women. But the Rebbe, in his capacity of inspiring a generation and motivating us in the anticipation of the coming of Mashiach, the Rebbe put the women on the top of his list, the top of his list. And and the Rebbe trusted the women, and the women never disappointed the Rebbe, and the Rebbe was so very proud of all the accomplishment what the women did. So when you speak to women that are accomplished and do so much in their personal life, in the life, in the education of the children, in the life of the community, and in all aspects, you know, I, it's a, a real, I have to have a real respect for all that they do and all what they accomplish. And uh, to people who are already Makusha every day, their lives is so intertwined with the Rebbe and with the Mifsoyim and with the instructions of the Rebbe. Because, you know, there's various different ways that we can connect to the Rebbe. There's very different ways. Uh, the Rebbe writes in some places when, how do you, somebody wrote to the Rebbe and said, uh, how do you connect as the previous Rebbe? He says, how do you connect to me when I don't, you don't even know me, so how do you connect to someone who you don't know? It's interesting, I take a, I take a look at some of the old Fabrengans from the Rebbe, and I look at the background sitting behind the Rebbe, there's old people that I can tell you by name who they are, who they were exactly, you know, and know, I know a lot about all of these people. I don't want to date myself, but uh, there is, uh, and um, the people used to come, everybody used to come and listen to the Rebbe's Fabrengen, to the Rebbe's teaching, to the Rebbe's Torah. Those are people that knew the Rebbe personally. I had the good fortune. I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up by the Rebbe, so I had the good fortune to see and be with the Rebbe in a way sometimes we did not do the responsibility sometimes being by the Rebbe puts a lot more responsibility because you know there was the Gemara says that there was a certain Rabbi who didn't have any parents he was born a Yosem he was born Nebuchadnezzar orphan one of the Amiroim the, 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 the scholars of the uh, Gomorrah, the Talmud. And he said he always felt bad being an orphan. Not because, you know, he didn't have parents in literal sense, he had people take care of him, but he knew and he learned and he, he appreciated uh, there's such a big mitzvah to honor your father and your mother, but he couldn't do it because he didn't have any father or mother, so what is he to do? So he felt bad. But then he said, 
after it went on time and he learned what is the real expectation of somebody, how do you really honor your parents and the real sacrifices you have to make, not only when it's convenient for you, not only when it's convenient, you have to do it in the most perfect ways. As the Alter Rebbe writes in the Tanya, that we do mitzvahs with love and with fear of Hashem because in order to do properly mitzvahs, we have to do them with the level of love, of a connection to Hashem. So when we are honoring the parents and everything, we have to do it in the most perfect way. You can't go a quick phone call or a quick visit and run away. You have to. It's hard. So the rabbi said, once I learned how difficult it was to fulfill the mitzvah of kibud Ava'im, I said, you know what, thank God I didn't have any parents. So I didn't fail because I couldn't fail. I didn't have parents to fail. Had I had them, I would never be able to do it. So in a way I'm saying we're lucky that we were by the Rebbe. But being by the Rebbe meant like you have your parents. You have the Rebbe in your presence. And you have the Rebbe right there. So it meant that you had a lot more responsibilities. And you had a lot more to answer to. And you had a lot more... You had privileges. You got to sit and be by the Rebbe. So that's a great privilege, but a lot more was expected. So then you can say, people who weren't there when the Rebbe was fabringing during the Rebbe's lifetime, they're younger, they're the next generation... How do they, the person asked the Rebbe, how do I'm a kasher? How do I connect to the Rebbe? I don't know the Rebbe. You know, the Rebbe didn't, didn't have any personal interaction with me. I, for example, as you know, uh, the Rebbe also, in the, uh, after later years, the Rebbe took away the special personal meetings that people have with the Rebbe. The Rebbe used to always Yechidus. I'm sure everybody knows what Yechidus is. Yechidus is a personal meeting with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe uh, stopped that. So I had the good fortune, the privilege, again, takes responsibility and, you know, if you don't live up to what the Rebbe, <laughs> the, the special privileges, that's not a, it's nothing to be proud of, you know, it's like, it's something, you know, you sh- it's a privilege, but the question is, what do you do with those uh, privileges? You know, somebody once said that when Mashiach will come, they'll be ahead of the line. They'll be right in the beginning of the line. Because they have a zchos. They were shlochem, so they're the head of the line. However, you know, being in the head of the line is not always <laughs> to your benefit. Sometimes it's to your detriment. If you go dressed with a nice suit, with a tie, and you look presentable, you look like a mensch, so then you're the head of the line, so everybody sees you. Okay? But what happens if you dress like a schlump, and you're all dirty, and you're all so schlumpert, and you're not really put together and so at least if you're in the back of the line 
and nobody sees you. <laughs> nobody pays attention. But here you're on the focus, you know, everybody, everybody look at me. So, saying sometimes being in the focus is not to your privilege, it's a privilege to be in the head, to be in the beginning, but it may be working against you because you were in the beginning, you should have been a lot better position than you are. But the people that weren't there, so they asked the Rebbe, how do I connect to you? I didn't see you. And the Rebbe said, if you learn my Torah, you learn my teachings, and you conduct yourself in the way that I instructed, you do mifsoyim. You learn chitas, daven, you learn, you do the things that the Rebbe asks you. You raise your children with amuna, with belief, with pure amuna in, in Hashem, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You bring the concept of Mashiach in your home and to your children, your family. That's the way to connect to the Rebbe, even if you didn't see or had no personal connection to the Rebbe. That's the Rebbe's demands, and that's the Rebbe's teaching, and that's the conduct that we have with the Rebbe. So, learning, you know, learning is something a lot of us enjoy learning. A lot of us enjoy. If it's, learning is fun. Today, the ability, there is, uh, you know, they came to a city one time, and there was... uh, uh, he wasn't happy with the people, well, this rabbi from the Gemara, he wasn't happy with uh, the way they treated him. So he gave him a bracha before he left. He says, I wish all of you will be rabbonim. You know? so he said, if you all be rabbonim, you'll always be you know, on top of each other, arguing with each other. And, uh, I mean, we have today, Baruch Hashem, such a outpouring of the Rebbe's teaching and Rebbe's learning on every facet and every, you can listen to the greatest speakers, to the profound understanders, to the people who, things that were never, you had to come to Afabrengen to listen to, to hear some special words. Today, there's publications and there is so much out there that we can learn from the Rebbe's Torah. That's, but learning Torah is something which is also enjoyable. It's something that people who enjoy a, an interesting or want to know the words of Hashem, and I'm talking about, but it's also something enjoyable. It's something that is, it's gishmak. It's tasty. It's good. And what happens when you learn the Rebbe's Torah, just so you know, most of the fact, most of the things that we, we hear the Rebbe, if we don't learn from the original, from the Rebbe's original, but we learn from the various presentations that are given to us, we are just giving, we are just getting a small fraction of a concept of the Rebbe's real Torah, the Rebbe's real uh, insight, and the Rebbe's brilliance, and the Rebbe's greatness, so that you stand in front of. You know, when you see greatness, you stand in total uh, subjugation. You say, wow, you know, this is like beyond. Maybe you don't get it so much from things that have been sort of watered down, spoon-fed, you know, they're given down, brought down. Yeah, if you go back sometimes to the sources 
and you go back to the original, and you go back to the Rebbe's talks, and you go back to the Rebbe, and you have to study a lot, you see, you know, the phenomenal, phenomenal wisdom. So it's something that you actually enjoy also, but you enjoy it, but you connect with the Rebbe, because this is the Rebbe's teaching. The Rebbe, we know that, uh, we say about all the tzaddikim, we say that um, when you study their words, so their lips are moving in the caper, it says that they respond. So in other words, when you're learning now, the Rebbe's Torah, the Rebbe is, is presently engaged, he's presently you know, involved in, your, in, in our learning of his Torah. And that's a form of his kashrus. So we're talking about really a form of learning the Rebbe's Torah. And then another, another way to be kosher to the Rebbe is doing what the Rebbe asked from us in Maise Bepoil, in actuality. Because we can't really separate between the learning of Torah and the doing of the action. Matter of fact, that the only time we really know that the Torah we learned is really learned properly, how we should, if it impacts our, our actions. If it helps us become better people, more mekusha to the Rebbe, more mekusha to the Ebrister, to do mitzvahs with a more chayas, to do with more energy, to do with more care. If it comes out in Maisa, then the Torah is proper. And the same thing is, if we want to do the Maisa properly, we need to study Torah, so they're interrelated. But these are basically the Rebbe's teachings, the Rebbe's learning, just the Rebbe's insight, just the Torah itself, and then also the Rebbe's conduct. But what I wanted to point out today and say there is a much higher and deeper in it. You know, somebody once said about the Rebbe that the Rebbe is a tzaddik nistar. He's a hidden tzaddik. Tzaddik so, the other person asked, what do you mean, the Rebbe? If you have any tzaddik that is publicized more than anybody else, is the Rebbe. Everybody knows. In every newspaper, in every corner of the world, in every... Who doesn't know of the Rebbe? How could you say that the Rebbe is a tzaddik nister? And he answered that that much that you know of the Rebbe is really so minute and so minuscule, you don't know, you know so little that the Rebbe himself is actually hidden, you know, he's not known. We don't really have a grasp the Rebbe's learning, the Rebbe's knowledge, the Rebbe's genius, the Rebbe's righteousness, the Rebbe's holiness, the Rebbe's spirituality, the Rebbe's beyond anything that you... So the Rebbe's hidden, because we think that we know, but the real truth is that there is so much more that what we know is just a very small drop of it. But what we do know is that in every aspect of greatness, the Rebbe was on the top. Whatever, any aspect that was a mila was something of greatness, 
the Rebbe was always the genius, whether it was learning, whether it was Maisim Tovim, whether it was in holiness, the Rebbe was a genius in all Well, today's Yud Shvat, we're talking about his kashus. So everything that we want for ourselves, we also have to learn from the Rebbe. We have to learn everything from the Rebbe himself. You know, we see just very simple things. The Rebbe always used the sitter to daven. Never did. <laughs> you think that the Rebbe knew uh, how to say a bracha uh, without a sitter? Of course, but the Rebbe always used the sitter. The way the Rebbe treated people, the way the Rebbe treated his mother, we talked about Kibbutz Aim, the way the Rebbe, you know, it was just, just, uh, Every, whatever you touch, any story you hear about the Rebbe, they, my son told me that in the, their hair this week there was a uh, story about a certain area, I think, uh, Dr. Block in London, Ontario, he needed to daven, I, don't, I didn't see it inside, my son was telling me over the phone, so I may have gotten, uh, you know, the Mittler Rebbe said that he wants his Hasidim, when they meet, they should uh, talk about Yehud Elo, Yehud Deeps, Secrets of the of the of the Hasidus. but today Hasidim, we when we meet, we talk about a miracle of the Rebbe. We talk about how the Rebbe did things. That's what we talk about. So my son tells me that he read in the uh, in the the, the hey, you know, that this uh, Doctor Block, and I may mix up some of the details. The punchline is is there anyways, but uh, that uh, they they he did, this guy needed a minion because his parent died, so he needed to say Kaddish. So there was a modern Orthodox shul in the community, and um, he asked uh, to daven, it was a Chabadnik, so he asked to daven, he wanted to do Nusach Ari, you know, our Nusach he wanted to do, in the shul, uh, modern Orthodox shul. Now, this modern Orthodox shul had no minion at all, zero, it didn't have a minion. I guess, I don't know if it had no minion at all, but it didn't have a minion maybe for Melcha, or middle of the week, I'm not sure. Apparently it didn't have... So the rabbi, the 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 the, uh, the mourner said, he said, you know what, I'm going to get ten college kids, and I'll bring them to the shul, but I would like to say kaddish in my nusach. I would like to daven by my nusach. The rabbi said, okay. He said, what do I got to lose? You know, I have a million. Anyways, you want to daven? Yeah. He says, what do I what do I got what do I got to lose? So. Okay, he said, yeah, go ahead. But you know, in every shul, you have a nudnik. So <laughs> so there's one of the responses, says, no, we can't change the nusach, we don't daven there. Can't say yatzmach porkone over here, you can't do this. Okay, so he says, okay, listen, I wanted to help your shul have a minion. I can go in my room over there, I have a room on campus. And, you know, we'll get the boys, we'll dive over there, we don't have to come in over this. So he said, he wants to ask his Rav over there. So his Rav says, no, we can't change the minion, this is a, it's a, a set thing that we don't say Yatzvah Parkon over here, we don't do this, we don't do that. So, okay. So he guys, he writes to the Rebbe about it. So the Rebbe says to him like this, the Rebbe says, look, you already started a second minion, Another small minion. I wouldn't suggest you that you close it. Because 
But listen, it's your responsibility, <laughs> he says, to see to it that the modern Orthodox shul has a minion as well. From <laughs> so not only should you uh, have a minion here, a minion there, but you make sure that they get a minion too. And you see the difference of attitude. You, know, you don't have to compare between one rabbi say, no, no, we're not going to have a minion as long as you... And the rabbi says, no, no, make sure to make two minions. So you could get, get boys to give them their minion without Vyatsmach Purkone, and we'll get the minion with Vyatsmach Purkone. See, every conduct of the Rebbe, whatever the Rebbe did, was with such profound sensitivity. Not sensitivity feeling good, because, because of Torah, of the, the requirement of Torah, because that was... The Rebbe was, all of the Rebbe's being was a Torah devoted to Hashem. And that's what it was, that was his whole existence. So everything that the Rebbe did was done in the most profound, holiest, modest, greatest possible way. The Rebbe, everything the Rebbe did the way the Rebbe spoke, the way the Rebbe did. So whether we talk about the Rebbe's davening, the way the Rebbe interacted with other people, the way the Rebbe fabreng, uh, everything that the Rebbe did was at the highest level. Tell me, make me a sign when I've overstepped my time, uh, from. Okay, just make me a sign that, that, that enough, you know, I want to burden you up there. Okay, I'm not going to finish, I'm not going to take you, hold you too long. I see there's still some food on the table, so as long as there's food over there. <laughs> uh, I only see a half a crowd. I don't know where the, where's the other crowd. There's somebody in the back. Oh, there's a few more people. Okay. At least they can listen. That's good. Okay. You can continue. Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> All right, okay. Anyways. So, what I want to say Everything the Rebbe was genius. Now, I said before, the Rebbe was hidden because we don't really much know. But still, the amount we know is a lot. We know a lot about the Rebbe. There is, let's say, the 10% that we know or we think we know is so humongous. It's so much. It's so great. In every aspect. So, you know, someone who is really big, who's really great, sometimes they have a problem that their greatness is something that they get to feel in themselves, that they are big, they get, and they start, you know, holding of the said, becoming a little arrogant, becoming a little haughty, becoming a little bit condescending to others, because they start feeling themselves. So, you know, a person who is, doesn't have too much, too much about him, you know, it says like, it's easier to put a foot into boiling water than it is to put a head into boiling water. The foot doesn't resist that much. It does, you know, it's used to, it's the lowest of the, the body, it can accept it, but a head, 
It's a little bit more difficult. People are used to that other people who are not so great, they can be a little bit humble because, you know, sometimes they don't have anything to be arrogant about or they don't have anything uh, to boast about. I mean, it's not the reality. And then, People that have nothing to boast about and still they're oh, <laughs> they're always bragging and always, you know, just, you know, just go on the internet and you'll see. You know, today we don't have any filters, which means, I'm not talking about kosher filters, I'm talking about, there's no, anybody, there's more and more to read about less and less, you know. <laughs> everybody is a writer and everybody's a thinker and everybody has an opinion and everybody tells you, you know, whatever, whatever you want to hear whether it's medicine, whether it's politics, whether it's, it's whatever you like, and everybody, and not only that, and everybody says things with the full force and conviction, and if you don't believe 100% the way they believe, then you, you, you are totally offline, you're out of line, you don't, you don't agree with what I said, this is, I have proof, I have evidence, I have, you have evidence, this one says you have to do this, and he knows absolutely and if he has a long white beard on top of that, then he gives a statement, you know, he says, this one says, do COVID, don't do COVID, do, do vaccine, don't do, everybody is a, I don't want to get into involved here, this may be a non-vaccination or a vaccination, I don't know, doesn't matter, but the, the point here is, people that don't know that much or not of a high stature, it's not such a big deal for them to humble themselves. In front of somebody who knows more than them, right? They'll say, okay, the person knows more than me. But a person who is really a great Talmud Chacham and knows the Torah and knows Hashem and has a real perception, he sees Hashem, you know, he can see Hashem. You know, the, the, the problems we have is we know Hashem, we don't see Him. But, because, but people who reflect and they meditate and they toil, to be able to see Hashem's in their lives and everything that happens to them and everything that they do, they actually see the Eibishter, they see Hashem. These are the great people, these are the tzaddikim. So, you expect, and that's what we see. You know, today, also, the, the, the bar of what you need to know has become so low, and that, you know, a person who knows how to read uh, Chumash with Rashi uh, without Nekudas, without vowels, is a Tamachacham. And if he knows how to learn a page of Gemara, then he's a genius. And if he, you know, the whole bar, you know, so, but the Rebbe was the greatest. And what's the surprising thing is how the Rebbe subjugated himself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but that's not the surprise. How the Rebbe subjugated himself to the previous Rebbe. Just like the Rebbe was a genius, in every aspect, the Rebbe was a genius, and he personified the greatest and highest and holiest levels of being bottle to a Rebbe, of a Chosid. If we want to know and have a picture, just like we learn everything from the Rebbe, we can't be like the Rebbe, but at least we can say and say, hey, look what it means to be a chassid. Look how the Rebbe's relationship to the Friedrich Rebbe. 
the Rebbe's whole greatness was put to the service of the Friedrich Rebbe. The Friedrich Rebbe was the Rebbe's Rebbe. And he gives us a little bit what it means when somebody is your Rebbe, what it means that you have to be in his mouth. We're not talking about learning his Torah, of course, and we're not talking about doing his, 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 doing what he asks from us, but we're talking about a level of soul of being totally subjugated. The Rebbe was so non-existent to the Rebbe. If we want to know how we should feel to our Rebbe, look how the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe looked at the Friedrich Rebbe. Look how the Rebbe totally, and the Rebbe is the Rebbe, and still, I'll point out something to you. I mean, I don't know if it's my, my place to point this out. If you take a look at the oil, you take a look at the oil and take a look at the matzeva of the Rebbe next to the previous Rebbe, right? It's mostly uh, symmetrical. They line up. But there's one word that it says by the Rebbe that it doesn't say by the Friedrich Rebbe. I mean, of course, the Rebbe was a son-in-law. He was a the only son. There's one word over there that it uses by the Rebbe. It doesn't say by the Friedrich Rebbe. And the reason it's used by the Rebbe, because that was used by the Friedrich Rebbe in the title of the Rebbe. It says over there about the Rebbe, Hagoen Ho'eliki, the godly genius. It doesn't say that by the Friedrich Rebbe, the godly genius. Why am I bringing it out? The Rebbe's greatness in, in, in all facets, in all aspects of Torah was undeniable. It was undeniable and it's unmatchable. The Rebbe, I mean, would say not only his inside photographic memory, didn't forget anything, knew everything, understood everything, analyzed everything. Torah in the world, people. Rebbe had this talent and brilliance of what we know of to be able fully and completely figure out immediately unmatched. And yet the Rebbe was totally non-existent in front of the Friedrich Rebbe. All what the Rebbe saw himself in his life my mission is to do what my Rebbe wants me. I am here to be the hands, the feet and the arms of my Rebbe. My Rebbe wants something I will go to the ends of the world I will do to the ends. I will utilize Every talent that the Abishter has granted me, given me, I will do it and put it, devote it to the work of my Rebbe, my father-in-law. That was the Rebbe's Rebbe. And whatever he did, I'm going to put everything away. I put myself away for the Rebbe. That's a little bit of us, of our expectation from us, how our relationship to the Rebbe. If we were at the proper level. If we were, of course, the Rebbe could be in a level that we can't reach, never reach. But the Rebbe, we know what we are supposed to strive to, what we are talking about over here. We're not talking about doing the Rebbe a favor. I'll do this for him, I'll do this for him, make the Rebbe happy. We're talking about 
looking, this is what his kashrus means. Again, I'm not saying that I'm that, I'm not saying that I'm expecting this from anybody. I'm just discussing what it seems it seems like where his kashrus really means. We're talking about Yuchvat. His kashrus really means from us that we should look ourselves where and how can I fulfill the Rebbe's wishes? If the Rebbe wanted Mashiach, all what I'm living for is to see how can I bring the message of Mashiach. If the Rebbe wanted the Mefzoyim, the Rebbe wanted to reach out to people, the Rebbe wanted, how am I able to most effectively, continuously sit there and do what the Rebbe wants for me? That is what is kashrus. Yes, learning is well, doing is well, but to do it with a level of totally subjugation, to realize that we are here. The Rebbe is the Nasi Hador. He is the leader of our generation. He is the one that tells us what Hashem wants us to do. We don't know. Of course we see in the Torah. We do all the mitzvahs and everything and the Shulchan Aruch and Hasidus and everything else. But who gives us the present, now, today, the most that we need to concentrate on, that we need to work on, that we need to accomplish? That's the Nasi Hador. That's the Moshe Rabbeinu of our generation. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu in the time of Mitzrayim, Matan Torah told the Yidin what to do. Now, this is what we need to do. We need to be mekusher, tied, connected, subjugated, devoted, and live to see how can I make the Rebbe happy? How can I do that which the Rebbe wants me to do? And the Rebbe said many times that a lot of the things that the Rebbe told us to do were not to benefit anybody else. It's to benefit ourselves. When we do what the Rebbe wants, the Torah was given to us for our benefit. The Rebbe gives us directions and instructions for our benefit. So our life should be meaningful. It should be successful. We should be happy. We should be lucky. We should feel good. You know, you can have almost everything physically, financially. Hashem, the Ebrister can give you a good parnasse, he can give you good children, Naches, he can help you with the Shalom Bayis, you have a good marriage. You know, there's so many good things that the Ebrister can do. But if you're not a happy person, if you're not going to be happy about it, then a lot of the things are not going to not going to work. You're not going to it's not going to make you feel good. You can have so many good things and then you're still going to kvetch and complain, you know, about, you know, what, you know, what you're missing. But if, if we follow, the Rebbe says, if you follow the ways of the Torah and you go by the instructions of the Rebbe, that will give you a happy life. That will bring you happiness so that not only will you have the things that you want so much, but it'll bring you happiness. And the most important thing that the Rebbe says is to have bitochon and trust. You know, when things, sometimes we meet challenges and everyone has challenges. I said before, everybody has everything good. 
I'm not sure if there is anybody that can say that have everything goes so well for them. Okay, maybe, but but the Rebbe says if at the moment people have a challenge, they need to employ the Midas Habitochen, they need to trust in Hashem. If they display the trust in Hashem, their problems will go away. The Rebbe says that, and I always wonder, how does the Rebbe know for sure that if you truly trust Hashem, it'll go away? You know what? Sometimes problem <laughs> is it, but the Rebbe says there's no question. If you trust Hashem and you say, Hashem, I trust in you that you'll make things right for me, the Ebrishta will make them right because the Rebbe says in every challenge a test of Hashem. And the test of Hashem is not to allow that challenge to bring you down and put you down and start to doubt him. The challenge, the challenge, it gives a challenge. It's an Isoyan to raise you higher so that you should use that as a springboard to go ahead, jump even higher to greater, more powerful places than you can. But what could I say? I really feel that I'm talking to an audience. I mean, I don't know the audience over here. And uh, Fruma allocated me 15 minutes. I have no idea. I think 15 minutes are up. She told me don't speak more than 15 minutes. No, no, she didn't. She just said 15 minutes. I think I spoke for 15 minutes already. So I did my dues. Okay. Because, you know, the uh, it's part of the contract over there. That, uh, but uh, no, I just want to say I, I'm speaking to a, a, a select group of privileged, really, people who are Hasidim, Hasidistes of the Rebbe, who are doing the Rebbe's work, who are with Mesiris Nefesh, you know, keeping all, after so many years, you know, since Yudshvat and after Gimel Tamas and keeping all that, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for what all what you're doing and I'm sure that as much as we do, we always try to do more. All what I want to leave you is with a bracha that in Yudshvat, as we have the Rebbe's Nesiyas and Koiches, that the Rebbe should be Mispalo for all of us that we should have all that we need, begashmis, beruchmis, parnosa, and shalom bayis, and naches from the kinder, and shiduchim, and everything that we need. The Rebbe will be mispalo for us, and we'll see the Ebrishtus brachas in an open hand that will start pouring harikoisilochem bracha lidai to have an endless amount of bracha. I thank you for listening, and continue the Fabrengen and continue to inspire each other, and each and every Azoiru, we support each other, and the Ebrister will send us Mashiach Tzidkenu, and the Rebbe will take us out of Golos, Vimheid of Yemenu, Amen. Thank you very much. Continue you for bringing it over there. Thank you. Nine.